Well, good morning, everyone, and uh, welcome again to our Sunday morning service. We're glad to see a packed congregation here this morning, and we're glad to have those of you that are joining us online. Uh, we trust that the service today would be a blessing, and uh, we want to remember those that are not well, those who are not here for whatever reason. Uh, we want to pray that the Lord would reach down on their behalf. And if it's a sickness, the Lord would touch them and heal their bodies. The problems and challenges. Uh, we are living in a time right now that uh, we don't, we're not sure what will happen tomorrow. Uh, with the coronavirus going and it's changing, mutating, and, and things are happening. But what we know is that God is in control. And his protection is uh, constantly around his children. Uh, David said in the Psalms, he says, Yea, do I walk through the valley of the shadows of death? I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And again, he said, The angel of the Lord encamped round about them that fear him. And we are under God's protection, so long as we remain there under his wings of protection. This is a good place to be. Really appreciate the Lord for this, these services we're having for this church. And we want to pray that God would help us to continue this journey. So why don't you join with me in prayer and ask God's blessing today on this service. Father, today we want to thank you so much that we can approach your throne of mercy and grace. Thank you for your unconditional love. Many a times, Lord, we would fail and our foot would slip and we would do things that would displease you. And yet you have such mercy and compassion over us. Father, we pray today for those of us that are faced with challenges in our lives. Many struggles, O oh Lord. Many times we try and we'll fall. But Father, we thank you for your grace that is sufficient to keep us. We ask for strength. We ask that you'll increase our faith and our trust and our confidence in you, Father. In Jesus' most precious and wonderful name. Bless our service today. We thank you so much for our pastor and the labor. Uh, God, all these years that he has labored in the ministry, especially for these past uh, few years, Lord, where he has uh, been so faithful and seeing that this lesson, these messages are going forth uh, over the year. We pray that you would touch him today. Anoint him, Father. Let him speak your word that would be able to reach down to our hearts and bring about a change. Anoint him by the Holy Spirit, we pray. Bless our service. We ask it in Jesus' most precious and wonderful name. Amen and amen.
Praise God. Let's be seated. Well, today I we glad to have everyone in church, and I was going to give you a treat. I asked Brother Terry to get his guitar and come and sing for us, and I don't know where he vanished. Maybe he's gone in hiding, and uh, that's okay. Uh, it would have been nice. We set the microphone up, and we're waiting for Brother Terry. Brother Terry Tombran and I grew up in high school together. And when I used to fight, he used to run away. When I get into a fight, get your guitar, get yourself ready. This microphone is for you here. Yeah, when, I, when we get into a fight and I'm busy fighting, where's Terry? He's gone. <laughs> he was a quiet man. He never liked to get involved. I and he's going to sing a song for us that okay I'll hold it for him while he sings life started out like a canvas and God started painting on me But I took the paintbrush from Jesus And I painted what I wish to see The colors I painted kept running and the objects were all on Well, I made a mess of my painting. My work now seems so unwise. So I to Jesus All the colors All the pieces So wrong He worked With no condemnation And his blood made My painting Beautiful song. 
I was in um, Rhode Island and I got to preach in, must have been a couple of years ago, more than two years ago, of course. And while I started to preach, the concept of an artist came into my mind because for years I've been an artist. I can't say I'd like to do art, but I've been an artist. And I could take um, a paintbrush and start painting. And if you don't know about art, you might think, oh, what's the mumble jumble that he's doing there? Because it takes stages to get a painting done. And while I was preaching in Rhode Island in a nice little group, um, the concept came that Sometimes we fully do not understand what God is doing in our lives. And I read something just a few years ago that I reposted on Facebook. And um, it talked about the possibility, uh, the necessity of negatives in our lives. And uh, if I become, if I were God or I had the power to do what God can do or to change things, uh, this individual uh, courted with my mindset, then I would not have left the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the middle of the garden. I would not have even created the thing. And so Eve would not have been tempted. I would have gotten the servant, serpent out of the garden. And so Eve would not have been tempted and sin would not have entered into the world. Then if that, was, that happened and I had to go back into the Bible, I would have led Abraham uh, into a better land. I would have changed the circumstances that caused Lot to pitch his end towards Sodom. I would have been an influence in the lives of individuals. I'll tell Daniel to take his stand and uh, stand against the wiles of the devil. I'll get Solomon not to be carried away with the 700 wives and 300 concubines, not to bring idols into the church. I would work in so many areas to help individuals. Joseph would not have been in a, in a pit and sold into slavery. And you would have come down all the way down and you can come all the way and say Paul would not even have a thorn in the flesh because I would have healed him. And then today you would not have pains in your body because I'll deliver you from every pain and every problem. Snap my finger. And so it meant that I would change the whole Bible. This book would not be so thick. It'd be a slim book. And that is simply because I don't see the end result. I just see the existing problem. The existing problem blinds me to the possibility of what lies ahead. And we must be able to follow the example of Jesus. Over in, in Hebrews, I think it is the 12th chapter of Hebrews, uh, Paul is writing here and he talks about the possibility uh, the importance of looking unto Jesus. He said here, and after he finished uh, uh, chapter 11 of Hebrews, and this is beautiful because Hebrews 11 is called the chapter of faith. 
And when you read this chapter and you read the amount of people that suffered in this chapter, uh, you might want to call it a different thing. Um, for example, when you think about uh, this man called Moses, and before I go to Moses, I want to go to the end of the chapter of Hebrew 11. It says, he says, because individuals, verse 35, women received their dead raised to life again, and others were tortured. God's people were tortured. Some got the benefits of seeing their dead one brought to life again, not that they'd live forever, but they had to die sometime. But others of God's children were tortured, not accepting deliverance. And we're talking about back there, but do you know, have you ever read Fox's Book of Martyrs? I just got a new copy. My old copy was getting a little old. And men who were tied to a pole and burnt for their faith never denied the Lord. And you wonder, why didn't God just miraculously took the fire away and let them not die? But God has a plan. And the artists, you don't know the, the, the end result until you can have a glimpse of the finished product. And that painting might not make sense while the artist is splashing away, but he's got the end result. And I'm reading of individuals here that suffered. It says uh, they were stoned, verse 37. You mean God's people were stoned? Yes. Today, we are having life easy. We serve God today at our convenience. But when we look at the Bible for examples, we've got a remarkable example. Uh, we've got many more remarkable examples in the Bible. And you see this Bible that you put on your shelf and don't read it all day? And you open it in church when your pastor is preaching or someone elder is exhort, exhorting from it? This Bible, when you stand before God in the judgment, he'll open the book and said, you had it. This Bible is a instruction, is an instruction manual to godly living. Have you ever bought a product and you want to fix a piece of furniture and there's a little piece of material there, it's called instruction manual. It tells you what to place, how to fix it. Well, this Bible, if you want to live for God and you want to be an overcomer and you want to succeed as a child of God and as a Christian, this is your instruction manual. Yes, and one day, the Lord might open the book. When you come to the end of your life, he would open the book and read from the manual and tell you you had a chance to make changes, but you didn't follow the instruction. The instruction manual is important. And Paul writes here, he says, they were stoned, verse 37. They were sawn with a saw in half while they were praising God. Um, how they did them was not put them alongside, they put them upside down and saw them uh, from the bottom all the way down. It says they were sawn asunder, they were tempted, they were slain with the sword. God's people 
You've got a headache that you complain about. You've got a little problem that you complain about. I want to introduce you to men that really live for God and God did not heal them. I have learned the greatest lessons in life when things were not going right. When things, when I was in the valley and thought there was no hope, that's when I became the toughest. It was the toughest day in my life. Nothing happens to the elect child of God that is not ordained by God to nurture your spiritual growth and development. How you respond is important. And it goes on here further on and tells us about people wandering in sheepskin and goatskin. And all of these uh, suffered for God. But here in chapter 11 and verse 24, it talks about Moses by faith. Moses, when he was come to years, he was brought up in an Egyptian a palace. He was a prince in Egypt. But when he was come to years, he made choices to suffer. He refused the flamboyance and the wonderful things in life that he could have had as an Egyptian. Nothing good comes without a sacrifice. You want to live for God, then pay the price of discipleship. Endure unto the end. Fight your battles. Don't complain about the cross that God has chosen for you. My cross is different than your cross. Every one of us is an individual that a path is set for you. A particular path is set for you that you need to submit to. All right, and he goes on here. He says, Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction. The man refused a place of prominence, uh, princeship, uh, royalty. He refused it. What would you have done? The reason why this man is a champion is we can't look at the painting half done. We have to look at the product in the end. You see, we are reading the end of his life and we knew the great challenge he had in leading the rebels out of Egypt into the promised land. And he says he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. What you might think is an opportunity and you think the Lord opened the door for you might have been the devil opened that door. Read the manual. Read the examples of scripture. See what kind of examples do we have. If you had the power, would you stop Jesus dying on the cross and take him off and don't let him suffer? Then you would have still been in your sin. And no one would have been saved in the world. And God the Father, who had the ability to save his son, allowed his son to die. As a matter of fact, for God so loved the world, he sacrificed his son. What are you willing to sacrifice? What are we willing to sacrifice? 
If God made that great uh, unmatched sacrifice to send his own son to save worthless you and I, and while we were sinners, Christ died for us, what are you willing to sacrifice? Discipleship does cost. Yes, sir. And it goes on here, he says, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing, what did you choose, Moses? Here is a good life and here is a bad life. He choosing rather to suffer affliction with the children of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. What a man. See, if I had a hat, I'll tip my hat to Moses. For not a great accomplishment in the world, no. For great sacrifice that he made. Come on, child of God. Listen to me today. And he says, esteeming. What did he esteem? His good looks, his family, his credibility, his position, his authority, his education, his wealth. No, he esteemed the reproach of Christ. Isn't that amazing? Back in the Old Testament, Moses esteemed the reproach of Christ. He is going to be a Christian and be ridiculed. He's going to be a child of God and ridiculed and the world will turn against him and people will persecute him for Christ. The reason why the church does not grow today is because people are not willing to convert the people that are close to them in their daily life. I'm talking to this church today and I'm talking to me today. It is important that individuals we encounter on a daily basis recognize, like Brother Sam said last night, the light that's in our life. Recognize the light that's in our life. And you'll go out there in the world and individuals might not recognize that because they're blind. But ever so often God will touch someone and they recognize that. And you become a part of their life even though they might not even be in church. But you become a part of their life. Isn't that something? And um, it says here, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt for he had, here is the, the concept, he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. He knew that the sacrifices he's making, uh, the rejection that he is rejecting, uh, the choices he's making had an end result. You know, we sing a song, Oh Lord, I want to be in the first resurrection. And we sing another song about the kingdom. I'm one step closer to the kingdom. And it, all of these is good. We can just polyparrot concepts and statements. Uh, for example, Brother Sam was reminding us of a message I preached about the Lord is my shepherd. Isn't that a beautiful psalm? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And he will make me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restored my soul. Yea, though I walk to the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Only if 
He is the shepherd and you're the sheep. Yes, sir. Is he the shepherd in your life? A shepherd leads the sheep. The sheep that leads itself does not have a shepherd. So do not ever quote that psalm thinking it will justify your position if he is not your shepherd. And Moses is saying, I'm looking at the end result, the recompense of what lies ahead, and I'm making these choices. I'm sacrificing, I'm making the choices because there's an end result. I quoted that statement to someone this week, that he or she is no fool who gives up what you cannot keep to gain what you cannot lose. You're not a fool when you give up what you can keep to gain what you cannot lose. Eternal life is a positive, but it demands a sacrifices. As someone says, salvation is cheap and free. No, sir. Salvation is not cheap. It might be offered to you free, but the greatest price ever paid on this planet was paid for your salvation. The blood of Jesus was shed 2,000 years ago on a cross. You could not put a price on that price, on that blood that was shed. And so here in Romans, the, uh, Hebrews, the 12th chapter, it says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with all of these witnesses, the people that suffer for God and did not complain, they that suffer with me, Jesus said, shall reign with me. My body's saying, I don't really like to suffer. But guess what? You're not going to reign. No matter how you sing about sitting on a throne, you ain't sitting on, excuse my English, you ain't sitting on nothing. To sit on a throne, you've got to be an overcomer. To be an overcomer, you need battles. Yes, you need difficult circumstances. You need to be bombarded with problems on the right and problems on the left. Here's what the Apostle Paul says. I'm leaving Rome, Hebrews for a minute here, and I'm going to, uh, backing up to Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And, of course, here is my notes. Not touching that today. Today. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul is, uh, is, is writing to the church at Corinth, and he's making a statement like this. The great apostle. Well, I wish I was Paul. No, you don't. Somebody says, I wish I was standing in your shoes, brother. Say, no, you don't. No, you don't. And so here is what a man of God goes through. And Paul says, verse uh, chapter 4 of First, Second Corinthians, he says, verse 1, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we cannot faint. I've been preaching for many years. I've been serving Lord the Lord for since I was 12. And in the ministry for over 54 years, I cannot faint. Cannot. 
the age we're living in, if Paul was living here today, he's got to come do the parking lot himself. He's not living today. God bless his soul. This is not, when you look at me, you think I'm wealthy and I'm great and whatever. You'd never even want to step in my shoes for one day. Are you listening to me? So let me explain to you what Paul is saying here in chapter 4. He says, therefore, seeing we have this ministry as we have received mercy, we faint not. Everybody say that. We faint not. Ministers cannot afford to faint. And when you want to faint, do it in private. When you come out, you smile. When the people look at you, they're not seeing a discouraged man that's whining and groaning and complaining. No, they see a person that's always positive. He says, uh, verse 8, he says, we are for seven, he says, but we have this treasure. See, I've got in my life a treasure that's more important than gold. It's more important than diamond. It's more important than silver and any precious bank account. It's called Jesus. And I have him in my life. And still I have problems. Christ in my life does not take away all the problems I am to encounter. He is there to give me strength to finish the race. He's not there to run it for me. He's there to encourage me as I continue on this path, to strengthen my faith. He holds my hand. He guides me. He does not drive the car for me he put the signpost up and says 100 kilometers an hour maximum speed i'm in the driver's seat wouldn't that be good if when it's all over i get a check from the insurance company says you're so good you drive for you have driven for 40 years without an accident here's a check i wish that was so the company's there, they just want to rip you off. But you understand, God rewards us. Amen. And that is what uh, Paul is saying. He says here, verse uh, 7, But we have this treasure in an earthen vessel, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not us. This here, if I succeed because Christ is here, I only succeed because God has helped me. It goes on, verse, verse 8, I want everyone read with me slowly. Apostle Paul, Peter, James, John, all these great mighty men. Here's what Paul says. We are troubled. We are troubled on every side. On the left, trouble. Turn to the right, trouble. Look in front, trouble. Turn to the back. Trouble. I thought Jesus took all your burden away and rolled it in the sea. I don't even want to sit comment on that chorus. Jesus took my burden and rolled it in the sea. Well, yeah, he gives you some more. He says, take my yoke upon you. For my yoke is easy only if he is yoked with you. Do you know why it's easy? 
because the one that's yoked with you is Jesus. He carries the weight, but you've got to carry the yoke too. He says we're troubled on every side. Troubled. Say troubled, everybody. Troubled. Yet not distressed. Oh, God. Oh, God, I don't know what I'm... No, no, no. Trouble on the right, trouble on the left, trouble in front, trouble behind. I'm not distressed. What am I going... No, no, no. He has helped me all the way in my life. Why would he let me down now? For the re recompense of the reward, the end result is what motivated Moses to refuse to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, to give up the treasures of Egypt and choose the suffering that accompanies Christian living. He made those seemingly bad choices because he had an end goal, goal in mind. But they, while their companions slept, toiled onward in the night. And Moses made sacrifices because he saw the recompense of reward. Uh, here in, in, in Paul, he says, um, we are perplexed. I'm not sure what's happening to me. I'm not sure what God is doing. I'm not sure why he's not healing Sister Polly. I'm not sure why he's not giving somebody wealth and happiness and breakthrough no I'm never perplexed Paul says I'm I'm uh, he says as a matter of fact perplexed but not in despair I'm not sure what's happening but I'm not in despair I know God will work it out be patient endure to the end and you will be saved don't give up halfway and he goes on here he says persecuted we are not in today's world he says, but not forsaken. This is the early church apostles back here in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 12, ch chapter 12 and verse 2. It says, looking unto Jesus. The best example you can ever have is Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Who for the joy. What motivated Jesus to go to the cross and die on the cross and suffer all the suffering? He looked at the end result. He saw in advance that there will be a church here today and I would be serving God and I'm so glad that he died to save me from my sin. He saw the end result and it motivated him to die. And even in Gethsemane when he thought he would die before the time, he says, Father... Let this cup pass from me. I don't want to die in Gethsemane. I want to die on the cross. Let this cup pass from me. <clears throat> God heard his prayer and sent angels and strengthened him to survive unto the cross. And when they were killing him on the cross, he turned and he prayed, prayed to the Father. He said, God, Father, don't lay this sin to their charge. What an attitude. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. And that is why this book is a manual for Christian living. It's here. If you put the wrong ingredient in your engine because you did not read the manual, 
And I've seen people do that. I've seen individuals. I've seen a lady ask me, um, she says, can you help me open the hood? I'm going to put some um, oil in my car. It needs oil. And I, I'm working at a security good. I opened the hood for her. And what do you think she was putting the oil in? Radiator. She was <laughs> busy with the radiator. Put, and I said, no, lady, you can't put the oil in there. You got to put it. I accidentally put transmission fluid in the wrong department one time and damaged my entire brake system. You ever tried transmission in your brake fluid compartment? Give it a shot in the Cadillac. They should be able to withstand that. <laughs> no, it's not. It's going to destroy that whole system. The manual for Christian living I've got in my hand. Do you read it? If not, no wonder you live like the devil. Read it. Stop looking at television and wasting your time on the internet. Read the book. Yes, sir. Listen to the messages. Yes, Save your soul. Mm -hmm. One last scripture. Romans 12. I had a choice today. Now that's the scripture that I plan to talk on. I have a choice between Romans 12 and Matthew 5. So I'm going to touch both here today quickly. Look how quickly I'll finish the whole lesson that I had in mind. I have my finger in Romans 12 and I'm turning them back here to Matthew chapter 5. And I don't want the whole chapter of chapter 5. The whole chapter is great. It has Matthew chapter 5 has... 48 verses, but I'll choose from verse 44, uh, <clears throat> from verse 43, Jesus said, you have, you have heard that it has been said, and that word it has been said is over and over repeated here, maybe one, two, three, four, five, six, about six or seven times, Jesus said, you have heard it has been said, but I am saying something else. You know, people condemn him for that. You have been, you have heard that it has been said by brothers so and so, but I say different. I'm telling you, you have heard it has been said you are out of Babylon. I said, no, you're not. Whoever tell you you're out of Babylon, go resurrect them and tell them that Brother Singh said you're not out of Babylon. I was good for those people in those days, but I am telling you, Babylon is a spirit, it's not a building. And it's within our hearts, worldliness. Worldliness is in our heart. I went to the barber yesterday, Brother Raleigh, I have a barber. I tell him, don't make me look, I'm having a haircut. He says, no problem. Do I look like I had a haircut? See? Don't look like a haircut. I got a haircut yesterday, and I'm sitting there, and the boy, the young man ahead of me, I said, what in God's name? He showed the barber a picture, and then he sat down there, and I don't know what they did with his head. And I said, what a world we're living in. If it's not tattoo all over their bodies, it's earring on their nose, and on their lips and it's hairstyle that I God knows if they're from Mars or Jupiter 
There's nobody out in the world that gives me an example for me to copy what they're doing. Absolutely none. I decide what I want. That's me. And I wish we'd have a younger generation that will grow up deciding what they want because they have a sober mind. Last night we sat in our living room and we were talking and it was a pleasure sitting down looking at Timothy. JJ was the man, center of attraction. He was the one talking, it's his birthday, you know, he celebrated his birthday, first day of, uh, in Canada day was JJ's birthday. And so he's the man, big guy, I'm looking at his brother sitting down, looking at everybody. And Timmy, I admire you last night. I stood on and look at him and he listened to, to Jeremiah and he's, you can see his face when he smiles and he's in approval and he listened to his mom and then he turned to Brother Ved and he listened to everyone talking and I'm looking at him and his responses. And it is so good when you have someone that can sit there and listen. It is good to learn to listen. Don't be carried away. Listen. When I was a school teacher, that's how we taught them. I said, I'm talking up here. Listen. You understand? When I had church in Guyana, and when I came to, the, uh, to Canada and had church, we put the kids up in front, and I said, listen to me. You don't give your kids drawing book to get them to sit in church. If they got drawing books, put them in the nursery. If they're gonna sit in church, listen to the preacher. Yes, sir. And that is something I commended the Carringtons for. Their kids listened. Amazing. Amazing. Yes, sir. It takes an art to listen. Anyhow, I'm tired, it's gone on me. And so, uh, where am I? Matthew chapter 6 and verse uh, 44, 43 says, You have heard it has been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. Jesus says, But I say unto you, Love your enemies. When I'm waiting to the, for the Holy Ghost to start loving them. No, no, no. Hang the apple on the tree until the tree can bear the apple. Love your enemies when you get the Holy Ghost. No, no, no. Love them now. But it's hard to love them. Then pray for them. I told you, if you pray for the people, make a hit list and pray for that hit list every day for one month. At the end of the month, you'll change your attitude to everybody on your hit list. Well, hit list, you find 10 people that you don't really like. Make a list. And put it and says, hit list. your mafia for one day put hit list and then when you finish making the 10 people that you don't like i hope i'm not one of those then scratch that hit and put prayer and pray that god bless them every day for 30 days and at the end of 30 days you would love them so love your people that love you know he said love your enemies bless them that curse you and do good to them that hate you. Christian, Christianity is not a talk 
It's not an education, it's a life. Christianity is a life to be lived, not taught. That's why all this theology, the, you know, uh, eschatology and all this ology they have, you got to educate yourself. No, 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 no. How difficult it is to tell Joanne to love God. Joanne said, love Jai. According to Joanne, no. Love is a very simple thing. Well, I'll tell you something, Joanne. You love him. You know, there's agape and filio and eros. Excuse me, hogwash. You need all of that? I speak English. Don't tell me about Hebrew and Greek. Greek. I speak English, Brother Sam. Yes, sir. I love you. You understand what that means? Yes, without condition. I don't need to hear Hebrew and Greek and French and Latin. I speak English. All I speak is English. Tell me what to do. Love your enemies. Yes, sir. Am I reading this in English? Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them that despitefully use you. Hey, he's using me again. Pray for him. And them that persecute you. You see verse 44. If you can live that for one month, you're on your way. You don't need a whole Bible. Jason, just verse 44. Just verse 44. One verse. Live it. Read that verse in your manual and live it. Let's go on. Uh, forget Romans 12. We are finishing up here. That you may be the children of your father. Well, I want to be heavenly father. We appreciate No, no, no. If he is to be your heavenly father, then act like his child. Live like his child. And if you're his child, then you'll follow verse 44. That you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good. Isn't that something? He make his son to shine on everybody. Wouldn't that be something if rain was only falling on the elect? If rain was falling on God's children only. I wonder if it hit your house. I'm so glad it falls on everybody's house. And sometimes it don't fall. And the elect suffer. Non-elect suffer. We all suffer together. But God, if you're to be his children, then act like him. He make his sun to shine on the, uh, on the evil and on the good. And send it rain on the just and on the unjust. If you love them that love you only, what reward have you, Jesus said. He says, does not the publicans do the same? People down the street that's not going to church, they do that. You're a child of God, live like a child of God. Yes, sir. Amen. amen, amen, amen. Verse 47, and if you salute your brethren only, what reward? Uh, why do you more, what do you more than others? Does not even the publicans do that? Be therefore perfect. I like this verse, Brian. Be therefore, you use this on me, right? Uh, be therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Is perfect. Yes, what a job. Amen. What a job. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for this time we spent in your house. 
We thank you, Lord, for this manual that you have given to us. Oh, God, we thank you for the examples of Scripture. We thank you for every man of God that lived from Genesis all the way down to the book of Revelation. Everything that is mentioned to challenge our lives to a godly lifestyle. Let your word remain in our hearts. Oh, Father, help us to live for you. To follow the example of this Christian manual that we have. In Jesus' name, we understand it's not by might nor by power, but by your spirit, Father. Amen and amen.